Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On this week's episode, we have Justin and Lauren. On part two of our Nobel Prize special, we find out about the prizes for biology and physiology in the benefits for allergies of intimate relations. Plus, we find out if sticking weights to chickens can turn them into dinosaurs. Justin, you know I've got like an adorable dog, right? Yes, yes. It's very cute and very small. And very very small, I mean quite large, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That's very true. But I, did I ever tell you that I'm actually allergic to him? That... That seems suboptimal, Lauren. Like, I think that's something that you should have thought about before purchasing said dog. I know, right? I mean, really, I should have just gone for the cat option, but then I'm not really a cat person. No, we've established that we are n- neither of us are cat people. <laughs> but, well, like, whenever my dog's around, whenever I've had him and stuff like that, I've always got to go and wash my hands immediately afterwards, because otherwise if I touch my eyes or something, I end up just, like, coughing and like super annoying allergic reaction and it just sucks because he's sitting there and he looks so cute and i just uh i hate allergies and and look allergies really suck like if you if you have any type of allergy like allergies to cats and dogs or maybe um you're like me and when spring rolls around you just wish it was winter because then you could avoid all the pollen that is causing (laughs) you to have hay fever um and and that's just some of the mild allergies. <laughs> um, they can be obviously much, much more serious, including with anaphylactic shock and so on. But some researchers, two, two, joint, two groups of researchers independently working on similar topics, um, researchers out of Japan and China, and researchers out of Slovakia, Germany, and the US and UK, have been tackling some pretty fundamental challenges when you have allergies. And that is, you know, can your allergies be exacerbated or maybe helped by uh, partaking in some type of amorous interaction, maybe something like kissing. So are we talking about whether kissing makes allergies better or worse? Look, basically. And the reason why I mentioned so many different research institutions is because the papers that are being awarded here, that this is being awarded for, is there's four distinct sort of Papers all chipping away at the same topic. Does kissing reduce allergic skin? Sorry. Kissing, the first taper is kissing reduces allergic skin wheel responses and plasma neurotrophin levels. That's number one out of Japan. Number two is reduction of allergic skin wheel responses by sexual intercourse in allergic patients. Japan's really doubling down on this. Number three out of Japan, kissing selectively decreases allergen-specific IgE production in atopic patients. And number four, from Slovakia, Prevalence and persistence of male DNA identified in mixed saliva samples after intense kissing. So basically, these these researchers, three papers mostly published out of the same research group in Japan, um, have really just doubled down on this entire topic in investigating if there's a correlation between kissing and allergen levels. And really, why are they doing this is because they're trying to look at if there's any biomedical benefits or consequences of intense kissing and other, obviously, intimate interpersonal activities. Because if you've got allergies, this could literally be a matter of life and death. So if we have so many people investigating this, then obviously there's got to be some kind of actual response from these intimate activities, right? (laughs) 
So, <laughs> Hajime Kimata from Japan, who has been the lead researcher on this, he, he runs an allergy clinic in Neagawa in the Osaka prefecture. And look, he was really trying to find a way to not only help with his allergies, but also the allergies of all the patients that he's treating. Because he was uh, trying to understand if there was any natural healing powers that humans have and any way to alleviate the suffering for people with allergic reactions. Because, you know, when you have allergies, sometimes you can get pretty desperate for relief from the insane, of, insane symptoms that these can result in. So how exactly did he go about um, figuring out this? Right, right. So um, Kamata-san has been working on this for a very long period of time. He published his first paper on the interplay between kissing um, and allergic reactions in 2003, particularly started by looking at does kissing affect um, allergic reactions in, in patients in specific areas. So he looked at people with either eczema or hay fever in control group and sort of then studied and seeing those who kissed habitually or those who didn't really kiss very much and see if there was any like real um, effect after they were exposed to a lot of different reactions. So basically what he did, this is, this is where it gets hilarious and brace yourself. The groups had their skin tested for reactions to Japanese cedar pollen. So if you've got eczema or hay fever, that, that could be a strong chance of giving you a reaction. And also to dust mites and histamines, all common ele- allergic elements for people. And then after kissing for 30 minutes while listening to soft music, such as Celine Dion's love ballad, My Heart Will Go On, the patients had their skin tested again for allergic reactions. To recap what Kamata-san has actually done here, and I think his methods are very, very thorough, as Japanese scientists often are. He gathered people in lots of different groups with hay fever or eczema and a control, and then exposed them to a number of different allergens, and then basically got them to kiss for 30 minutes with romantic mood music just to make sure we were all very clear that it was romantic and then tested them for allergic reactions. And so what he found was that the groups of patients with eczema and hay fever, their their skin didn't react as much to cedar pollen and dust mites after 30 minutes of kissing. So basically the kissing helped for the reactions to cedar pollen and dust mites. Didn't help for histamines, so bad news there, but the others were was like, well, maybe maybe, he, maybe there is something here. Maybe we should do more research. So have we figured out anything behind, like, why that mechanism works or anything yet, or is that just more further research needs to be done? Yeah, so basically in 2003, I was like, well, maybe the direct action of love could be beneficial, so <laughs> let's, let's study more. And, and this led to a number of other follow-up papers. Um, and it's really quite amazing that basically they took this as the starting point and they looked at, um, over the next, you know, four or five years, a number of different research, um, onto this topic to see if, you know, maybe the kissing response will reduce certain types of other allergens. So they did a a wider variety of different types of allergens, see if there's any impact on that. And then it was been followed up with by the researchers out of Slovakia who were, testing basically specifically um whether or not the saliva as well also had an impact in um what the intense kissing in presence of saliva actually had any sort of impact um and maybe that's what's actually causing the uh the beneficial reaction that we're seeing so at this stage it it's it's actually research that is active and ongoing but it's being awarded because they've actually managed to accomplish and show a, a, a link there at least in some allergens 
and in terms of a reduction of impact. So good news if you're allergic uh, to to uh, wood pollen or dust mites, but bad news if it's histamines you're worried about. So if you have someone uh, to to kiss and they're worried that you a bit slobby and, and sneezy because of your allergies, tell them, no, don't worry, this will help. And then put on the Celine Dion and uh, start solving your allergy problems. Videos of birds doing odd things are pretty much a constant staple of amazing vines and YouTube clips. Whether it be clips of uh, a stack of fake plastic ducks screaming into oblivion and then silence, or maybe it's uh, chickens with their heads not moving in complete isolation, or maybe it's just videos of things walking with dinosaurs. We've got this really big fascination with, you know, videos about chickens. And the winners of the Ig Nobel Prize in Biology have actually gone to a lot of great lengths to give us what I feel is definitely this year's number one video of a chicken. And what what's happening here, Laura? What what is going on with these chickens? Well, to connect something you said before, the video is about walking with dinosaurs, and this video we just saw then... Um... So, I really love this tagline uh, to explain what's basically happening here, which is, to find out how dinosaurs used to walk, you could either create an elaborate um, computer model, just simulating how we think that the muscles and the physics of it all work, to see how dinosaurs walked, or you could just attach fake tail to a chicken's butt. And look, to ask that question is to know immediately the answer you do. Obviously, the fake tail is clearly the most efficient way of doing it. So, there's currently um, videos up online um, that'll show you the difference between a chicken walking normally and a chicken walking with, um, like, a fake tail attached. I think it's actually a stick with a weight at the end of it. Um, And you can see the way that the chicken walks slightly differs, and you can see the way the tail would move if... If and it, it had does, a tail. Yeah. If it had a tail. And it does look like a dinosaur. It, it's really funny. This work was done, and the Ig Nobel Prize for Biology was won by researchers from the University of Chile, the University of Chicago, and the University of Illinois at Chicago. Right? So I think they just chose universities that started with a C. Um, but basically, because, you know, obviously about chickens, guys, it was, it was a clear link there. Um, they, they were really very, very keen to sort of look at that link between dinosaurs and chickens now obviously as chickens evolved from and other birds not not just chickens all dinosaurs not just single-handedly become chickens um (laughs) they they have a lot in common including their bone structure and their muscle structure but where the dinosaurs use the tails for balance and walking on the grounds birds and chickens sort of have wings and they need it for other purposes, such as, you know, flight, because you know, that's what birds are more about, rather than being terrifying land beasts of destruction like dinosaurs. I feel like if all dinosaurs turned into chickens, it would be a completely different Jurassic Park movie. Well, look, you know, it just it 
the Raptors are basically there. <laughs> Look, let, let's be real here. The raptors are basically there. But it's it's really funny because these massive dinosaurs, such as the Tyrannosaurus rex, which is over 40 feet and weighs seven tons, or the miniature Enchironis hulexi, which is a little longer than a foot and weighed just under four ounces. So converting this to metric, guys, um, <laughs> uh, just over 10 meters long for the T-Rex and the the tiny little Anorexis hulexi, which is just under... 30 centimeters big you know they all had to balance themselves in intricate ways and these are huge lumbering bodies or really small agile bodies there's a lot of complex physics you need to sort of get you around and if you want to study it like the like lauren mentioned you know you can either build a really complicated computer model or you can sit down and just take the easy way out and study their neighbor it's like saying oh i really want to look at how you know how cats work but I've only got a dog. So I'm just going to kind of like adjust the dog's legs to be like a cat and then watch that. And in this case, you know, chickens and dinosaurs had similar feet and feathers and things like that. They were just missing that tail. So what they did was they created an artificial tail from a wooden stick attached to the chickens behind with modeling clay. And then the researchers then replaced the tail every few days as the chickens kept growing, um, keeping the tail at about 15% of the bird's weight. So it was in proportional to how they thought the tail of a dinosaur would connect with the rest of the dinosaur. Right, right. So it's actually, they, they grew the chickens with this, you know, tailored appendage. So they would naturally be accustomed to using it. It's not like you just took a normal chicken and stuck a tail on it and be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> you're now a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, they grew, they raised some normal chickens without the attached appendage as well, just so they could completely compare exactly what this tail was doing to how they wore. And this is what I love about this this control group. What they actually did is they really wanted to see if it was just the weight that was having the impact, not, you know, the position of the weight. Mm-hmm. And so they gave them, like, little coats, like, that were the same proportionally weighted, and they had to keep, like, adjusting. It's, it's adorable. Like, either way, this is adorable. And then I'm guessing the ones with the little coats probably walked not the same as the ones with the tails. Yeah, the ones with the normal coats walk normally, a bit slower, but basically normally. So, and, and you know, this is what's so so amazing about this is because it actually, it really shows that um, this kind of crouched hind limb sort of posture that the chickens have. You know, you, you, you know how our knees sort of bend, but we most of the time we actually spend with our knees straight when we're standing upright. It's only really when we're bending down um, do we actually bend that joint. Whereas chickens and dinosaurs, for the most part, actually have that bend pretty much most of the time in that joint. And that's that's basically what a lot of dinosaurs had. So that's why they're actually a good sort of model for this whole process. So, you know, this, this really helps us answer a question about something from hundreds of millions of years ago that we can't really study up close and personal. But by studying their cousins with some uh, modeling clay and some sticks, we can get as close to getting a time machine and traveling back to Jurassic Park as you can get, for, all for the for under, you know, probably $100, including the price of the chicken. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. We find out about the prizes for biology and physiology in the benefits for allergies of intimate relations, Plus, we find out if sticking weights 
to chickens can turn them into dinosaurs. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.